This is The Stateless Man for the pursuit of individual liberty beyond arbitrary borders, oppressive governments, and myths of national obligations. If you value liberty and are willing to migrate and vote with your feet, you've come to the right place. This is the Stateless Man, and I'm so pleased to be back with you for another episode. Uh, the show is sponsored by AMTG Solutions, which is amtgs.com. That's for digital media and web development. And yeah, so much has been going on over the last few weeks. I've been traveling a lot, but I have what I think is a very important and thought-provoking topic for today. Uh, if you've been to the Facebook page, the Stateless Man Facebook page, you'll see plenty of updates on this topic. Last week, I heard another ORN host. Uh, his name is uh, Blake Sawyer, and he hosts Escape. Now, he he talked about what was a secret in his mind, but I think it's really kind of like an open secret, uh, except to people who don't want to see it. And that secret was that most people in this world, they hate America. Well, they hate the United States, the the government, and I guess to some degree, by addi- in addition to that, the people. Now, my sense is, having traveled and and knowing this from my experience in New Zealand where this is the case, a lot of it is based on misinformation, but there is a grain of truth to it. Now, the prevailing line from many people within the United States is that, one, it either doesn't really matter, or two, um, oh, man, I don't know if I should try an American accent right now, but they hate us for our freedoms, something like that. Now... If people really believe that foreigners hate the United States because there are election, there is freedom of speech to some degree, and uh, other forms of economic, other forms of freedom, well, the basic counterexample is that why is no one seeking to bomb a place like Switzerland or New Zealand or any other country that actually has uh, as much freedom, if not more so, than the United States? And this, this, the hostility, aside from any sort of paranoia about terrorism, the hostility to, hostility towards the United States remains. Now, there are lots of polls about this. I saw something like uh, a poll from the Arab world, which had something like 83% of people had a negative, <laughs> a negative perception of the United States, and a very small minority had a positive perception. Now, this is important. We, we might just push this aside and think, so what? So what if people don't like the United States? Well, if you are p- planning to leave this country, uh, which I happen to be based in right now. I'm broadcasting from Raleigh, North Carolina. If you're planning on leaving, you will bump into this. You'll find people who don't really like you and find your accent annoying and will want to argue with you about what's going on in your country and what what your people in office, political office, are doing all around the world, uh, which is unfortunate. So I, I do have my guest on, Blake Sawyer, who is... Like I said, the host of Escape, and he came up with 15 reasons why people, quote, hate America, and I want to welcome him onto the show. His his show airs on, let me bring it up, Wednesdays, and um, I'm going to get the time precise time for you, but while I do that, Blake, let me welcome you to the Stateless Man. Fergus, it's great to be with you. Right on, and I did get, I'm, I was glad I got to speak with you last week because we just got to chat a little about what you were talking about, and I listened to most of that show. 
Now, let, let, let's reaffirm this, this first point. It's an open secret outside of the United States, but within not so much. Why do you believe that it remains so, how can I describe it as either underreported or just ignored by people within the United States? Fergus, ouch. You, you actually asked the question that should be asked, but what it does, it opens up a huge can of worms. I actually believe the answer to your question is that there's a cabal globalist who have in, in their plan, and I've watched this plan, it's been in being for 150 years, and they're just making this plan to the T, but ultimate goal is to wipe the United States off the map. So if the whole world hates the United States, then they'll have a good reason when it all comes about, and the world will cheer. Um, but that is a, that's probably a whole other show. I mean, if we're, we're going to talk sure. about why the United States is hated. Yeah, there's, I gave the 15 reasons on my show last week, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a greater crime to all this in that my belief system is, is whether you accept it or not, or whether you believe there's a reason people should hate the United States. That's just the fact of the matter. And I believe that hate begets conflict, and conflict begets violence, and violence begets war. And there is war coming, and the United States is the lover of war of any nation on earth. No nation loves war more than the United States, and so do the people. I mean, there's uh, I, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but there's barely sure. day that goes by. I don't drive very much from my home to my corporate offices, less than a mile, but there's barely a day that goes by. I don't see a bumper sticker like, God bless our troops, especially our snipers. I mean, there's a mindset in the United States, uh, the Bush Doctrine, kill everybody first before they have a chance to hate us. Um, and people in the United States are just not aware how this hatred, it used to be just the government and the bullying and some of that sort of stuff. And now the people are, as I've seen it and studied this for 40 years, people actually around the world hate individual Americans. And I see it in blogs. I see it in uh, the way that people actually, uh, you know, the, the articles on the Internet that you can actually post a comment to. Uh, I mean, the average comment is like, good riddance. Can't wait till America's wiped off the map. They don't deserve to live. Uh, they're, they're the biggest problem causer of the world. They're the greatest uh, uh, cause of a lack of peace in the world and all this sort of stuff. And it's really crescendoing to me. Now, I've been in New mm. Zealand. I've spent several weeks there. The people in New show, Zealand show. are friendly and law-abiding and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and, of course, first world and civilized. Uh, but uh, New Zealand, Australia is a nuclear-free zone. And uh, even the people in New Zealand and Australia look at the United States as, well, we have nuclear weapons, but nobody else can get them. We're going to stop anybody else from getting them. We got them, but nobody else can have them. They consider that a little bit of, uh, a lot hypocritical. But the the rest of the world has a lot of problems yeah, with this, the United States. I want to uh, respond to that point too because many people are familiar with the term American exceptionalism. And I first learned about it during my time as a political science student back in New Zealand. And this notion that somehow – how can I – we are different, that, that we, because we were born in the United States or for whatever, whatever reason, we somehow – like the rules don't apply to us – I don't really. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to think more about how to best describe it. But this is a prevalent view. We're going to have to discuss this after the break, though. So stay with us. This is the Stateless Man on the Overseas Radio Network.
sit back and relax. You are tuned into the Overseas Radio Network. Your website is a major doorway to reach new clients. A dynamic web presence will generate you more leads and business. AMTG Solutions offers premium web design and digital media services for today's small businesses and entrepreneurs. Services are professional, affordable, and efficient. Visit their website at amtgs.com or email Tony at info at amtgs.com and let's get the ball rolling. Welcome back to The Stateless Man. This is your host, Fergus Hodgson, broadcasting live from Raleigh, North Carolina, and I have a great guest on today. First up, we have Blake Sawyer, also a host on the Overseas Radio Network. His show is Escape. It airs every Wednesday, 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's one that I listen to, and as far as I know, it's the most popular show on the network, so kudos to Blake for doing so well with that. Now, the topic of his show last week was this you can, might describe it as a uh, open secret outside of the United States, and that is that most people in the world aren't exactly fans of the red, white, and blue. And one topic he raised is th- what he thinks is a perceived hypocrisy, which may be more than a perception. And I augmented that with the notion that there is this theory that many people sub- subscribe to that, I, that seems just wrong-headed. But that is this American exceptionalism that we can do it, but other people can't. Such as we can have huge stockpiles of nuclear weapons, but no one else can, or people that we don't like can't. And that just seems very confusing to me, uh, and many people would, would reinforce that. Now, like you have been a long-term traveler, a migrant. So the, yeah, we, we're going through questions as to why this is. I want to get on to the, what expatriates from the United States can do to respond to this, but do you want to just speak more as to as to sort of summing up or the most important of the 15 reasons you gave on last week's show? And I'm going to actually post a link to that to the file from last week's show on the Facebook page. But do you want to touch upon perhaps the most important of the 15 reasons you believe that foreigners aren't such fans of the United States? Sure, Fergus. Uh, I, I think that Americans in general, are never going to get this. It's because of, sure. well, the self-righteousness, the arrogance, etc. But I'm going to come from the, the perspective, Fergus, that you're intelligent, I'm intelligent. The people that listen to us on our radio shows are intelligent, or at least truth seekers. That's the way that I open my show um, every every single week, uh, or all the radio shows that, that I have. I want truth seekers listening to me. So I'm going to speak to uh, the stateless man audience here, believing that you're intelligent, that you're a truth seeker, <clears throat> and we don't have all truth, but we're in a process of learning truth. And one of the things uh, that Americans that are truth seekers need to, to wrap their brains around is the things that the United States is doing, as well, and that is truth, I mean, it really is truth, as well as the perception that other people in the world have. And as long as, and I'm going to go down, you know, the top few of these things that you've asked for, but keep in mind that I really do believe the world history proves that hate begets conflict, conflict begets violence, and violence begets war. And if the United States gets in a, in, in a war with Russia, China, or who we can really get in a war with, it's going to be in trouble, right? Right. Okay, so is- the United States, number one, I guess, is the big bully in the world. Nobody 
messes with it. Uh, it's the kid in the uh, uh, the playground that can kick sand in everybody's face, and nothing nothing anybody's going to do about it. They can take the toys away. They can push kids down the, uh, on the ground. I mean, the United States is the big bully, and the United States in just the last twenty years have killed millions of innocent people. I mean, not in in war, but innocent people. We kill people every day with drones. Uh, we invade countries. We do this sort of stuff, and just in Latin America alone, there's two dozen countries that the United States is invaded, either with the CIA or with troops, uh, to establish military dictatorships. So the bullying is true, whether Americans like it or not. They are the big bully, and the rest of the world doesn't like it. I guess number right. two... Well, Blake, Blake, we actually have a caller in, so I'd like to allow him, sure. this is George from North Carolina, to uh, make a comment. Now, I'd be glad to hear your thoughts, sir. Oh, thank you. Well, I uh, I was actually born in Brazil, and I went through the the 1964 onwards uh, uh, military dictatorship, uh, very much promoted by the uh, um, uh, abetted by the, the the Nixon administration, uh, okay. through Kissinger and and so on. So I went through all of that, and and. Uh, and then I lived in Canada, lived in Switzerland, and, and then immigrated to the U.S., just to make the long story short. Um, my view, uh, my perspective on the U.S. is a little bit different because I see a three-tiered uh, situation. I see the U.S. government, I see the U.S. foreign policy, and I see the American people. I believe, from what I've read so much, that American people, about 80% of the American people, are sick and tired of the government, and many of them are sick and tired of the U.S. foreign policy. Uh, the U.S. foreign policy, you need to break it up as well, because it is a consequence of the bankers uh, uh, and, and big corporations, which end up right. being the bankers anyway, George, because it's generating George. debt. I'm going to ask you to wrap that up. Have you got a, a, a do you want to make a final point and, and make a question? We, we've only got a few minutes until the next break. That's all. It's just my my comment on on the discussion that's taking place. It's just that we say that everybody, a lot of people hate the U.S. I think people are more are smarter than that. I think they what they really hate is what Americans hate. I'm an American now, and I actually hate the government because right. they are they are completely uh, not representative of the people. Eighty percent want something, and they they want to George, create that through through that, the banks. So George, that's my perspective. Got, got you. No, thanks so much for your call. I think many people relate to that. So I'll, I'll I'll pass that back to Blake. Do you want to respond to those comments? Sure. I think that 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 I sort of addressed it in the beginning. But George, you're, you have valid points. Uh, but what I see is in traveling the world, and and I, I just make this statement: I do travel two hundred thousand miles a year plus. That's eight times around the equator every twelve months. I do spend several hours a day investigating. I have. Uh, uh, hundreds of websites that I go to. I have one particularly that I can read the, the front page of a newspaper and then go into that newspaper of the top 100 newspapers in the world. So whether it's Manila or Beijing or Paris or Cairo, I can see what's going on in the world on a daily basis and what they're saying about the United States. So I don't take this lightly. For somebody that lived in Brazil during the 1964 right-wing dictatorship overthrow of a duly democratically elected president in Brazil, and the CIA brought in a right-wing dictatorship, um, 
you have seen what the United States can do. You've lived there. And the brutalness of these dictators that killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, people, up to millions of people all over the, the world when we put these guys in. But you have now been Canadianized and Americanized. And yes, you can hate the government. But right now, to go back to your question, Fergus, is why do people hate? Well, Ooh. let me give you some of these, these valid points to sure, answer your question. Sure. <laughs> There's more than just the military dictatorship. There's the greed. The United States is 4.3% of the world's population, but they consume 25% of the food 25% of the minerals, 25% of the energy. Well, We're talking gas. Now I, I, gas. I, I, I get that. I mean, although there, there, I would, uh, man, there's a lot to get into in, in terms of that as to who is producing that food, or maybe we could just say they're more pr- productive. What I really want to get some thoughts from you on, though, is that how do you believe that expatriates from the United States should respond to this contempt or frustration? Because we've, we've only got about a minute and a half left. So if you want to address that point. I, I address this on my own website, and what I do is I tell people, when you go to, when you're looking at expatriate, and when, when you're visiting other countries, be humble. Uh, don't say, ever, ever. There's never a reason to burn bridges or make people mad at you. Say, we do it better in the United States, or we mop the floors better, or we do this better. You're going right, to burn bridges, right. and you're going to get known as one of those Americans. You don't want to bitch and gripe and complain. You want to do the pros and cons list, and the country you're expatriating to has some positives. Major on the positives. Get over this American exceptionalism, as you call it, Fergus, as well sure. as um, we're better than everybody else because we're Americans. You're not going to survive very well if you bring that American attitude with you to your expat country. Right. Well, we've been you've been listening to uh, my very special guest uh, Blake Sawyer. His show is Escape. That broadcasts also on the Overseas Radio Network from Wednesday, on Wednesdays, twelve to two p.m. And that time went really quick, Blake. I think I'm going to have to get you back on the show another time in the future. So I really appreciate your time, and I'm going to be tuning into your show as well. And you have a great, great week, Fergus. You too, mate. Right, so, folks, next up we have Sarah Harvard of DefineLiberty.org. So stay with us. This is The Stateless Man on the Overseas Radio Network. You're tuned in to OverseasRadio.com, your online radio resource about life abroad. This is the Stateless Man broadcasting live from Raleigh, North Carolina. It's my pleasure to be with you. And yeah, I really would like to get Black Sawyer back on because he has plenty to say, as you can tell. And, uh, yeah, that call, I had some great thoughts too. I wanted to keep him on for longer. We're really pushing tight for time. Now I have another guest who can augment this. She is a student and very impress- impressive young writer and thinker. Uh, in the United States, her name is Sarah Harvard, and her website is define-liberty.com. And I've been reading that site for, I'm thinking, maybe six months now. I'm not sure. I often repost their material on the Stateless Man page uh, because it's very edgy and uh, thought-provoking, which is great. And the and I, I just admire it too because, yeah, basically the, a willingness to push the paradigms and challenge one's thinking rather than just give soppy material for people who already think like you do now this one is, is it should get some um, spice some some more spike some more calls the, the, the article from sarah is predator drones and blowback colon america's next hiroshima 
Nagasaki N911. And the lead line says it all, really, as Blake, Blake Sawyer mentioned before, quote, Americans love war. Sarah Harvard, welcome to The Stateless Man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right. I know I'd, I'd seen a post from you, if you don't mind me sharing, I hope not, that you were, had a bit of writer's block prior to this article, and you made a pretty strong comeback, I should say. Now, Thanks. Um, yeah. It was really difficult to write, to be honest. Um, so I, wasn't know, like, I didn't know if it was going to be too sensitive, uh, like too touchy for the American people to read, or um, should I stick with my gut and, you know, obviously kind of uh, lightly smack them in the face with the reality we're facing here. One thing that last caller, George, mentioned that perhaps a majority, I'm thinking quite a strong majority of people within the United States are not exactly happy with what is going on in Washington, D.C. And a lot of the, you could say, both undeclared, unreported, just secret invasions that are going around all around, all around the world. I can't, can't even keep track. Now, so I think many people are open to hearing your thoughts on this and the, the 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 lead question for today was quote why do they hate us which seems to be echoing a lot but remains relevant because as Blake mentioned also the if you're going to expatriate or if you're going to travel as with your American accent people will have they want to they want to respond to you they they'll have they'll have thoughts for you and because they have many people do have a hostility towards the United States now you mentioned these predator drones and blowback. Do you want to explain to people what X is this term blowback? All right. So um, the blowback was actually a term uh, used in a 1954 report by the CIA regarding the uh, CIA operation 1953 to overthrow uh, Shah um government in Iran. Uh, right. In 19, I believe it was a 1970. Uh, sorry, I have a 1973. But... Um, I think it was 1953, but that's okay. It's so long ago before yeah, both of us no, were born. Yeah, sorry, 1953. Sorry, <laughs> I have, you know, I'm a little sick today, so please excuse that. Um, right on. No, but the thing is, like, oh, well, I was going to say that in 1979, you could see a huge blowback by that because the Iranian people chose, you know, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, an Islamic regime, to go ahead and, um, I guess, rule the Iranian government. And we kind of see that right now with Egypt, for example, with the Muslim Brotherhood and uh, Mohammed Morsi. Uh, who is, you know, now the leader of Egypt, and that's not exactly what the American people would like to have as a, um, I guess, an ally, because Mubarak was considered an ally to the, Ameri- um, to the American government. So this whole concept of blowback with predator drones um, is that we're seeing a huge amount of anti-American citizen, um, Amer- anti-American uh, sentiment against the United States. Um, we're killing about 2,000, 3,000 civilians in Pakistan alone. Um, and it's actually in Yemen is the hugest example of this, you know, blowback kind of forming around. Um, actually, I read an article about the nation um, that the Yemeni president received a personal phone call from President Obama to express concerns over this Yemeni journalist um, who has been uncovering stories of the first drone strike in Yemen and, you know, photographing the made in the USA. And, um, you know, actually, I want to I, I want to touch on that point because, Sarah, this one inside from your article is just so powerful let's just clarify there was a reporter in yemen who had uh, written about or given attention to drone strikes within the, within yemen and president obama 
called the, his fellow pre, the, the president or leader of Yemen. I'm not sure. I can't remember his name. Yeah, president Al Abdullah Saleh to keep this yeah. man in prison. Do you want to just expand that right. point? So, yeah, his name is um, Abdullah Hader Shahi. Um, basically, you know, it was a huge controversy for the United States because this wasn't really revealed to the public yet. Um, and it revealed that 14 women and 21 children has been killed by this drone strike alone. Um, and that actually the WikiLeaks that, you know, Bradley Manning and Julian Assange were responsible of uh, released a U.S. diplomatic cable that kind of um, pretty much revealed the fact that these Yemeni officials were joking about how they lied to their own parliament about the United States' role in this drone strike. Um, mm-hmm. And then President Saleh also assured the, uh, General Petraeus about that, you know, this is, they're going to continue on with this, um, I guess, secrecy, this clandestine uh, operation that the bomb is, in fact, a Yemeni bomb, but not the United States. And I, actually, you can think of it, you know, today, just recently, um, former White House Press Secretary Robert Gibbs told, um, MC, was, on, was on MSNBC and revealed that the, the Obama administration wouldn't let him even acknowledge the drone program, wouldn't even let him, let him discuss it. So, you know, there's some sense of secrecy involved. Um, yeah. And it, wh- I always, I always ask when people have secrecy, what are you ashamed of? If, if you're doing such great things, why do you care if we know about it? You know, you, you only right. want secrecy if it's something to be embarrassed about or ashamed of. Right. I, I completely agree. Um, and I don't know, a lot of people talk about the idea of, um, you know, there's some sense of protection. We don't know what is going on, but I would honestly like to know what my government is doing, what kind of uh, situations are putting the American people in with their, you know, I guess, irresponsible foreign policies. Right. And one thing that we touched on upon before is that there seems to be a lack of, you could say, understanding within the United States. I guess it's because people don't want to admit that their nation isn't, the yeah the exceptional nation or it's not the greatest place on earth. You all you also wrote an earlier article on the Students for Liberty website saying, "quote America is not the greatest country in the world," and this yeah. article got quite a bit of a response. Do you want to tell us about what people had to say to you for questioning the preeminence of the United States? Right. So the responses I get were kind of mixed and they're kind of hilarious. Um, I got a lot of responses where people would say, "You know, go back to your own country. You know, get out of here." <laughs> And I'm like, like, first of all, I was born in the United States, and um, it's okay to be critical of your government and critical of where the nation is going, right, but I still want right. my country regardless. This is why I'm talking about why I'm upset with our, our, our progress right now. Um, and a lot of people were actually really, um, you know, you know, I guess encouraging. A lot of people were saying that they were really pleased with my article and that, like, <clears throat> sorry, um, that I was, in fact, like the future of um, American journalism, um, you know, right. stealing the truth. So sure. I mean, there's a huge response, but you know, regardless, I don't. Um, to be honest, my personality is that I don't care if what the I guess the responses I would get. If it's a truth, it's a truth, and wrong is wrong. So that's my whole uh, philosophy when it comes I to w- you know. I want to uh, add. I want to augment that too because Sarah, just being able to speak your mind is so important, and that's why most of the news I just see as junk because it's it's half glossing over the truth, or you have these opinion makers who don't really speak their mind who just give what they think is an acceptable opinion rather than what they believe. And regardless of whether, you know, just the fact is, as you as you say, a, a real patriot will uh, question uh, the actions of his government. There's nothing wrong with that. And, in fact, the U.S., that that was the founding of this nation, that people were un- dissatisfied with, with the rulers they had, and they declared their independence from that. So I, I agree that this is the future of journalism, that speaking speaking outrightly, 
and the internet is a place you can do that. Fortunately, uh, we have to go to another break, but stay with us, folks. We're speaking with Sarah Harvard of Define Liberty. This is The Stateless Man on the Overseas Radio Network. Sit back and relax. You are tuned into the Overseas Radio Network. Welcome back to The Stateless Man. This is your host, Fergus Hodgson. We're pursuing liberty beyond borders. And I have a great guest here, Sarah Harvard, a wonderful uh, young leader in the uh, liberty movement within the United States. Her website is define-liberty.com. And the article we're addressing is titled Predator, Predator Drones and Blowback, America's Next Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and, and 9-11. If you have a call, have a comment to make, yeah, we can you can we can take calls. It is one eight 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 seven four one seven four seven two. Now, she uh, has, this article. There is a paragraph that I want to read, which is just it is just uh, punishing to what is going on. Quote: The drone strikes encouraged by the Obama administration are horrendous and hypocritical to the optimistic message of hope and change. I'll just say that this Peace Prize winner is embarrassing, and I can hardly believe anyone takes that sort of prize seriously, given what has happened. Anyway, so the use of, continued, the use of signature drone strikes, bombings that target individuals that the administration cannot identify, is disgustingly immoral. And then she goes on to explain what is this new tactic called, quote, double taps. Quote, a drone fires one missile and then a second as rescuers try to drag victims from the rubble. In fact, for every terrorist killed, 49 innocent victims are murdered. Not only is the use of drone strikes strikes, uh, ineffective, but it is proven to be completely detrimental to the national security of Americans. So, Sarah, do you want to comment about a better way of handling uh, threats to the United States then than engaging in drone strikes? So um, I'm a huge advocate for peace, obviously, and I think that, um, to be honest, I feel the United States really puts military action at the very, I guess, the very first uh, means of solving problems. I Mm. think that we need to go ahead and resort to diplomatic practice, and um, I guess we we should discuss based on strength. For example, Iran recently had a the Iranian people recently had a protest over the Iranian sanctions placed on the United States government, and all these sanctions, the Iranian currency actually fell. Um, And what these people want is that these countries um, has been ridden, you know, they've been dissolute and um, punished by war. And Afghanistan, for example, was a very um, fruitful. A nation. They were really, you know, excelling in agriculture. Um, there was a, they had a cinema business in, uh, in Afghanistan, but ever since the 19, um, 1970s when the Soviet Union invaded and so on, as the United States invaded, we continue on to have the Afghanistan war. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people, you know, find that there isn't any hope or change. There is no way of um, prosperity in that country. And I think the best way of going about that is, you know, negotiation, negotiate based on trade and, um, diplomatic, um, I guess, resolutions. But to be honest, I think the reason why a lot of American citizens are not um, having a lot of disgust towards the drone strikes is that we haven't really been offered a, um, we haven't been told or offered or, I guess, um, any resolutions or alternatives to these drone strikes. And um, and mm. to be completely honest, drone strikes, the civilian casualties have actually fell um, from Afghanistan, I'm thinking by 46% ever since we started using drone strikes. 
But the thing is that it only takes one, for one individual to be killed or one bomb to be dropped um, to stir this commotion and this, um, I guess, this blowback. And to be honest, I think a lot of Americans don't really understand the Islamic culture or the Arab societies. And that's a huge problem when it comes to our involvement in the Middle East. A lot of them place a huge emphasis on children and women and those who cannot protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we, you know, kind of ignore that or ignore that their culture, we're going to see a long history or a long, um, I guess, long path of conflict between the United States and the Middle East. Right. I, I am really concerned about this, too, because... I fear that this is actually on an upward climb that you mentioned declining numbers of civilian casualties or deaths in Afghanistan, but at the same time the U.S. is moving into other parts of the world. Now, and I want to add that nations that are trading, are strong trading partners, don't go to war with each other. You don't kill your customer or your supplier. Right, based on interdependence, especially the U.S. and China, you know. For example, we haven't really gone to war with them, and... Uh, I would right. say we're best of friends, but, you know, we have, even, you know, we yeah. know that me, there's a mutual destruction involved if you do go at war. Even, even though we could point to enormous problems in China that are just boggle the mind, really, no one is advocating bombing. I mean, maybe some people are, but I, I think it's, it's unlikely that the U.S. would uh, attack someone who's lending so much money to it and vice versa. The Chinese would not want to attack someone who owes them so much money. There's a lot, a lot at stake. Let me let me just look more at this article because I'm concerned that that yes, there's 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 also a, a misperception here too because I know when I travel through Latin America, for example, on the one hand, yes, there is a hostility towards the U.S., but on the other hand, I see as almost like an envy or a jealousy. And if in in Quito, Ecuador, for example, almost all the billboards will be of Americans, people you know, white-looking people or lighter-skinned people will be the models. And it's almost like they re- the people want to be like them. How much hostility towards the U.S. do you think is not based upon this foreign interventionism and just a jealousy that the U.S. is economically more prosperous than many parts of the world? Okay, so um, I've traveled around the Middle East for quite a while. I've been to Morocco twice, went here, and just recently came back from Saudi Arabia. Sure. Um, and I have a lot of friends who are immigrants from the Middle Eastern region. And to be honest, uh, my thing is the Middle Eastern people, or North African people as well, have a really good understanding of what is going on. Um, I've never received any hostility against the American people. And if there's any discussion about some sort of hatred or pessimism against the American, um, I guess, countries, more so on the government, not the people, um, a lot of people understand, like a lot of people from abroad understand that what is going on is between two governments and not between the people. So I've always been, you know, welcomed by open arms by the Saudi Arabians and the Moroccans. Um, they have a great sense of hospitality. Um, mm. But I think the problem here is that the disrespect towards, you know, their culture and their religion, it's something they've been growing up with, and it's a, it's a huge, um, I guess, prize for them. It's something they look up to because they have a long history of it. So when you disrespect their culture and, you know, point their finger and say that they're, they're oppressed and that they need U.S. intervention because they're a backwards country or a backwards culture slash religion, you're yeah. obviously going to get some retaliation based on that. Um, it's like people pointing out in the United States saying that you are greedy and you are a war criminal. Um, you support, you know, a horrendous dictator who oppresses other people abroad. You're going to get the same retaliation. You're going to get the same retaliation to those people who point a finger at you as an American. Um, well, let me, so let me actually let me. But I want I want to stop you there, Sarah, because 
I like to believe that too, that it's not the people here. It's just those in Washington DC and we all know it's, you know, not, not exactly a place of accountability, but you, you're right here. America's already, ad- and I assume by America you mean the people, are, have, has already been addicted and deceived by the drone warfare program. And these two polls, which I saw you post earlier, just break my heart a little bit, actually. According to a, according to a CBS poll, Americans have an approving of 71% of the drone warfare program. And the, on, even worse, on the Ed Schultz MSNBC show, 78% of viewers, quote, agree with the policy of targeting American citizens. And I was gonna, I was gonna add a comment to that, that, yeah, we, we agree that you can kill us if it's for our own safety. I mean, how genius is that? So, how do you respond then to people who say that actually, no, it is the fault of the people in the United States because they support this, this, um, these terrible policies? But, you know, I honestly, and I, there is some sense of accountability that needs to be um, placed upon the American people. But let me just give you two examples. Um, you know, sure. after about the 9-11, George W. Bush has said, you know, this, the very, very famous quote in the speech is, is, why do they hate us? And they is such a vague term that could mean, you know, the Muslim people or Al-Qaeda or the government, but it's kind of open up to you know, right. your own perception. Osama bin Laden stated that the Western imperialism, you know, killing individuals in Palestine and you know, building air force bases in Saudi Arabia and so on is a cause for 9-11. So Osama bin Laden, you know, he's obviously a very terrible individual and um, deserves any punishment he gets from whatever higher being. Um, you kind of place a blame upon the American government, not the American people. And, you know, that's kind of wrong because he did kill a lot of innocent individuals and, um, and civilians in 9-11, which is actually against their religion. Um, just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, Bush, for example, kind of blames that whole entire region. So that's why, I'm, and I think also as well as the Middle Eastern um, authorities and government kind of... Um, you know, talks about the Western imperialism, and a lot of people understand from that region that imperialism isn't in result of the American people, it is in result of the American government. But on the other hand, the American people see Islam as a culprit, and the religion, um, the followers of Islam, or anyone who happens to be Arab, is in favor of attacking the United States. And that is a very ignorant and subjective statement, um, and I could see why a lot of people think of it, um, you know, result to in- the favors of, sure. Uh, let me Trump let me respond. Type. Yeah, let me respond to that too because people could make the same assumptions about Christianity. There are what's the right. Westboro Baptist Church people who go around and want to send fags to hell or something like that. And then there are the Ku Klux Klan people who think that we should have racial separation. And people could say that those people represent Christianity, but of course they don't. And in fact, they're a laughing stock or an embarrassment. So. Can, can we make the how how does, is my, does my analogy fit there? No, it completely, it completely does. Um, you know, in Christianity, you're supposed to love thy neighbor, correct? Um, in, sure. in Islam, they say that oh, actually, according um, in the Battle of Badr during um, Muhammad's raid in uh, Saudi Arabia, they were supposed to take back the take back Mecca from the Al Quraysh tribe who were the well, people at that time. Sarah, we we are actually very hard up on the next break, so I've got to, have to finish it up there. Um, but thanks for coming on The Sateless Man, and I hope that, you know, keep up your writing and that we can have you on again, okay? Oh, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Right on. So, folks, I was never, was not able to get my next guest on. She had to pull out for the next show. So we are going to be uh, replaying, which is a, a great clip, one of my favorites, on uh, basically housing affordability in the English world, and I think it's very insightful, published at the Frontier Center for Public Policy. But I'll be editing this, this clip uh, for the podcast now. Uh, so stay with us. Uh, this is The Stateless Man on the Overseas Radio Network.
from China's Great Wall to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, this is the Overseas Radio Network.